Welcome to This Dad Reads, a bookish podcast spanning genres and fandoms. I'm your host, Jason, and on today's episode, I am joined by none other than Claudia Gray, the much-beloved Star Wars author. What is going on, my fandom friends? I hope everyone is doing well out there. I am particularly excited for today's episode. Um, I have been so thankful to have been able to have numerous Star Wars authors join me on the show so far, and hopefully not the only time that they ever join me on the show, but I am particularly excited to have another first. So I have Claudia Gray joining me today. We had an awesome time connecting and chatting about all things Star Wars, including her love of Andor. So if you are a fan of Andor and a fan of Claudia, stay tuned for that conversation in just a little bit, but I wanted to get this episode kicked off as I usually do with my last current next. So the last book I read was Star Wars Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade by Delilah S. Dawson. I talked about this on my last episode, and I still can't say that much about this book as um, there are embargoes um, held on reviews right now, but I will just say that I really enjoyed this book. It was a really unique take on kind of Star Wars villains and kind of their backstory. Um and just gives a very unique take on what it looks like to go from the light to the dark side. So that book is coming out July 18th, and my review will most likely be coming out on that same day. And I'm just going to say it now, say a prayer, put it out into the world that I hope we can get Delilah on the show and talk about this book in a future episode. The current book I'm reading is Hard Contact, the first book in the Republic Commando series by Karen Travis. This is the Essential Legends Collection paperback version that I'm reading, and I am enjoying it so far. I haven't gotten super far in yet, so at this point, I'm still kind of like getting the lay of the land, figuring out what the characters are, what the story is. If this is one of those books that you have enjoyed, please let me know what I'm in for, and I'm excited to um, dip into Legends. I've only really dipped my toes into Legends. These Essential Legends paperback collections have really been the things that have helped me dive into Legends the easiest. Um, it can get very overwhelming, as you know, just with the amount of titles that exist in that kind of sphere of Star Wars books. So following these releases and honestly reviewing them for Tattooing Times really helps me stay on track. And I'm kind of just taking the lead from, you know, Lucasfilm and Del Rey to kind of guide me to which books I should I should read next. So I recommend doing that. Um, if you kind of don't know where to start and kind of are lost in all of the canon versus legends versus all of that stuff, the Essential Legends Collections is a great way to kind of help guide you because it's they kind of just hand it to you. Like, here's these books you should read. And obviously, they look gorgeous. Each of them have new stunning artwork, which is always a pleasure and a joy. So more to come on that book and my review will be coming out on Tatooine Times very soon. And the next book I'll be reading is Yoda Dark Rendezvous by Sean Stewart, another uh, book that just came out in the last wave of Essential Legends collection. So I'm excited for this book. I don't know anything about it. Once again, some of these Legends books, I just have very little context or knowledge of. And so Yoda is one of my all-time favorite Star Wars characters. So I am particularly excited to jump in and see what kind of story he's a part of. All right, KC78, are you as excited as I am to talk to my next guest? 
Definitely. She is the writer of such Star Wars books as Bloodline, Master and Apprentice, and one of my favorites, Lost Stars. I would love to introduce and welcome to the show, Claudia Gray. And so here we are. Welcome to the show, Claudia Gray. Hey, Claudia, how's it going? It is going great. How's it going with you? It's going good. It's, you know, we're creeping up on summertime. The kids are about to be out of school. I don't know what that means for you, but for me, it kind of mm-hmm. is just like this wide open possibility of schedules, you know? <laughs> there are five schools within walking distance of my house. So frankly, it means I can actually drive somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. For the next three months. I bet, yes. It's like I actually have a chance of moving along the streets. <laughs> it's the little thing sometimes. <laughs> um, I want to start off our conversation it is, it is. because it wasn't that long ago that you were at Star Wars Celebration. Again, the Star Wars Celebration 2023. I know that yes. was probably a kind of unique experience and for you. Maybe if you want to share about maybe if people don't know what was going down. But how was it for you? Yeah. Yeah, Lucasfilm brought me over to talk to fans, which I was so looking forward to doing. And I was literally even going to be just like, like sitting somewhere going, please talk to me about Andor. I have been unable to talk about anything but Andor for the past six to seven months. Please talk with me about it. And instead, I first came down with laryngitis. And then that turned into two bouts of bronchitis. And I was... It was like oh five weeks goodness. before I was okay again. And at Celebration itself, I I could barely speak. As you know, if you were at any of those panels, I could croak out a few words. And that was it. Yeah, I, I was, was watching on the live I was stream. Sick. And like, you know, on the one hand, yeah, and I thought I was really doing well. And all these people have been really sweet, like on Instagram or via email going like, we could tell you felt terrible. <laughs> <laughs> True, but okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you. True. Very true. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Last year was, you know, I got to go to all these things and really have fun, and it was tremendous. And then this time, there were even a couple things I was supposed to do that I was just like, I have to go back and lie down in my hotel room now. That's that's all I can manage. Sure. Oh, well, that's a bummer. But I'm glad that I'm glad that you were still, you know, able to participate and experience some of those things that I know it's not very often that the author group gets to get together. So I hope that it was still worth it and that you were able to have some sort of, you know, little bit of enjoyment. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, it's always great to be around the fans and to be around that energy, Um, you know, it's always going to be a little bit blurry in my mind, mostly because I was running a fever. But, uh, you know, it, it was a good thing. And, hey, I'm going to be going to other conventions this year. And so I'm still going to get to pin people down and make them talk about Andor for hours. Hey, and you know what? I don't have those on my list of questions for today. But now we have to talk about it. We'll talk about Andor, I promise. Loved it. So we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> oh my, yeah. So good. So... I cannot believe that we are like multiple years now into the High Republic initiative. Like, I'm sure that's like crazy for you to believe as much as it is for the fans. And for, you know, a lot of us have been around from the start and it just, it's wild to me that we are years in. Um, So what has Mm -hmm. this experience just been like for you? I mean, we are in 2023. This has been a years in the making process for you and the rest of the folks involved. So like, can you not, I guess in this point of your life and in this time of of 2023, what has that experience been like for you? It's still a little surreal to tell you the truth. I mean, for the longest time, 
this was a thing that we were doing in lockdown and we'd already started having zoom calls before everybody started having zoom calls. But, um, you know, that was such a huge part of my life during lockdown Mm -hmm. because I was basically either talking to, you know, my husband or to people about the (laughs) high Republic, like that, those were the conversations I was having. And, um, you know, for the longest time, it was this thing in our heads. And we, you know, it got postponed a little bit just because everything got postponed during lockdown. We're like, what is this going to be like? Are they going to go with this? You know, we didn't know <laughs> if the if the fans were going to be willing to take this trip with us. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how you guys have kept up reading it. I 100% don't know how we've kept up <laughs> writing it. Uh I could, I could definitely say that, like, we were like, when the first books came out, we were all like, oh, thank God, they're going to put all this stuff in Wikipedia and we could just look it up. <laughs> we could just look it up because, you know, it's hundreds of characters. Yes. And even if you're dedicating yourself to this full time, sometimes you're like, wait, who is so and so? What color is their lightsaber? <laughs> you know, uh, so it's been great to just have all that get reinforced. And, um, As people listening to this probably know, I kind of had to take a step back in phase two of The High Republic just because I had other books that that had to get written. And so I just did this comic for phase two. But as everybody now knows, I am returning uh, to write a novel in phase three. And I'm very, very psyched. It's going to be one of the books that closes out phase oh. three. So I'm very excited to get to do that. It's a privilege. That's amazing. That's a, the perfect segue, I would say, because my my next question was about that one shot quest of the Jedi, your your contribution to phase two, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. I don't know if you know this or if it, the word got to you, but Claudia, this comic like completely oh. sold out. And was like nowhere to be found. It was incredibly really? hard to get. I did get. not know that. Yes. I I don't know what. That doesn't mean somebody didn't try to tell me, but <laughs> I was sick for five okay. weeks. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair. <laughs> I missed it. Fair enough. Uh, and again, maybe, I don't know if it was one of, maybe that was like something that the author didn't need to hear. Because maybe, I don't know how that happened. But all I can say is the demand was really there for this comic. And I know in the comic book world, um, first Great. appearances are a thing. And so I think that was a big factor of it. Um, so, Anyway, yeah. I, now that yeah. you know that, I guess, um, what ha- what <laughs> is your reaction to hearing that? I mean, fans were like eating this one up and I was very looking, very looking forward to that it as well. That is awesome. I, I hope that the ones that got it liked it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was very much like if I could have picked just one thing to do above anything for that phase, you know, and I did partly have, I mean, obviously I'd say in it, but it was something that was neat that needed doing. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And that's the number one thing I would have wanted to do because the mysticism of the Jedi Mm. is very interesting to me. And Barnabas Vim is a mystic and a mystic, not exactly like we've seen much of before. Um, Somebody who really believes in symbol and metaphor, you know, the dreams and visions like the ones that Luke has on Dagobah and the Mm. tree uh, the evil tree that we've just never quite gotten any explanation about how the tree turned evil, but okay. Um, like this is somebody that's almost his whole experience of the force. Mm. He seeks 
those dreams and those visions and he interprets through that. And, um, you know, the editor was sort of like, we're looking for something very Arthurian and I think it was 2019. I don't know. Did you happen to see this movie called the green Knight? No. Uh, it starred Dev Patel, okay. but it's a retelling of the green Knight myth from the Arthurian okay. legends. And, it was really well done because so many, like so much of the Arthurian stuff we've gotten in the last 20 years is like gritty action remake. And it's been a long time since anybody's really gone at it. Looking at all the psychological, like Jungian levels to their Arthurian stories of which there is a lot, like so much. And that movie really did do that. And, really inhabited this this murky misty world where you're seeing all these things that are both like very realistic or very fantastical or all in the same shot like there's one scene in that movie where um he you know the knight is hiking across this muddy field and you see the mud in his shoes and how hard it is and in the background just left alone with some moss growing over it are the remains of a dragon skeleton. You know, it's just this moment of like, if you lived in a world with dragons, you would sometimes see that. That would happen. Uh, Or um, Alicia Vikander played one of the women uh, in the tower that he meets. And they had a thing where she claimed images, but they had it sort of worked out almost like it was early photography with all these vats of these chemicals and sunlight and the long visions, you know, obviously that's super ahistorical, but their Arthurian legends aren't historical. They're about image and mood and metaphor and what they pull out. And part of the movie, I was going like, am I with this? I think I'm following this. <laughs> but then at the end, like the meaning of that story hit me more powerfully than it ever has before. Uh, and I was like, Whoa, that was incredible. And I don't know if I managed to do that in quest of the Jedi, but I wanted to show somebody who that's his relationship to the mm. force. That's how he interprets it that's how he connects with it that's how he receives its wisdom Mm. that's awesome and i know all of the like lore lovers and lore masters in star wars were just eating it up right because it was like so dense with that Mm -hmm. stuff and that's not always the case like that uh, that's not the point or should it be of every single star wars story um but it was so rich in that sense. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people just appreciated that and they love stuff like that. And it was also fun because, I mean, the High Republic is a time that's sort of legendary mm. to the characters in the main, you know, in the Skywalker saga. And Barnabas Vim is somebody who's a, maybe legendary to the High Republic. You know, he's a little bit further back And that was really, really interesting to me to be like, okay, what did they look back to? What's their legendary character? And to get to embody that with him was really great. Yeah. yeah. And that, you know, a flashback within a, I mean, phase two was already a, I don't want to say flashback, a prequel to a prequel, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. You have no idea how many flashbacks. It's like little Russian nesting (laughs) dolls. We're just going to keep going. Exactly. 
Um, you're also, so you're also a part of the YA anthology coming up, which is coming out this fall. So yes. I know all of those stories have been announced yes. and everyone's just like, you know, foaming at the mouth for all these stories. But I just need to know that is that the, the, there's a geode origin story in your, like somewhere on your hard drive. Some people are just like craving that, that geode or a geode one shot. Can, I'm just going to throw it out there, Claudia, like w- the fans want it. <laughs> Uh, I can't I can't get into any more detail, but as as those uh, who heard like the six words I was able to say about this at Celebration, I can say Geode is in that anthology. All right. Uh, okay. Okay. And yeah, I really I mean, I was so excited coming into the High Republic to write the Jedi and it's been great, but I've really gotten attached to the crew of the vessel and uh, the way that they sort of find their path through the galaxy yes. as eccentric as it is. Yes. As has everyone else. And um, yeah, I love it. It's so, it's so good. <laughs> I, I, a lot of people, I'm, I'm stoked for the YA anthology. Um, I can't wait for that. I think it's a super unique way to like tell stories. And I, I know you probably can't say much, but I think it's going to mm-hmm. be a really fun way to kind of like dip in at different points and just tell some of those yeah, a short story isn't necessarily like a lesser thing than a novel. 100%. Like sometimes it's really very liberating to have the ability to focus exactly on, you know, one person or a few people and a few specific moments in a way that a novel sometimes is not really able to do. Uh, and I think all of us got to write stories that we felt very strongly about. That's so fun. And, and again, the, another perfect segue. Um, I I was wondering if your creative process, um, how does it differ when you're writing, say, like a comic book, a one shot comic versus a series or versus a short story? Or does it really differ that much? I guess, how does your brain work? And how do you kind of engage with those stories um, as you kind of are doing slightly different, mm-hmm. uh, slightly different works? Um. I mean, comics and graphic novels are necessarily different because, you know, it's one thing you say, like, you let the pictures tell a lot of the story, which is true. But, you know, the first graphic novels I did were for DC, and it was a trilogy. Um, And I was well into the first book before the knowledge let the pictures tell the story it's one thing to know that, but it's another thing to have your creative imagination respond and start thinking in terms of the images and actually using them instead of you having to translate it. And I was like, Oh, okay, here this is, uh, now this works. And so, um, yeah, I mean, obviously that worked out great for the story of Barnabas, Barnabas Vim in particular, because, you know, we get to see the visions, we get to experience them the way that he does and and draw that kind of wisdom from them, which, I mean, I could tell that in a story, but it's not going to have the same power as it is for, you know, in a situation where somebody can see the vision mm-hmm. and can actually have that same kind of immersion in it. Um, I don't know that the difference with the story stories and the novels is so great except obviously you know that the amount of story that you need the number of beats that you need to hit um i guess it really is sort of what we were just talking about short stories you're concentrating on one thing and with novels you're trying to work on a broader canvas Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and probably with more characters 
Sure, sure. Are you a, um, I was talking to Lydia King about this and she obviously had a different, she was like mm-hmm. very, she was telling me how nervous she was, you know, coming into Star Wars and the amount of characters like you mentioned. And she said she's like a uh-huh. post-it note person. Are you a post-it uh-huh. note person or are you like, uh, like how physically do you? I should oh. be a post-it note <laughs> person. Like my, my life would be easier if I were a post-it note person. But um it's kind of interesting, actually. Over the last couple of years, I've really been tinkering around with my process a little bit. Uh, I may yet become a post-it okay, note okay. person. But um, um, for a long time, I mean, I've always been an outliner. And I think I was trying really hard to sort of move away from as much outlining. And then I realized, no, in fact, what I need to be doing is outlining okay. more. I actually need to. I'm somebody who really, really loves that structure and I don't see it as separate from the writing process. Outlining is writing. It's just working on the macro issues before you work on the smaller issues and before you get into the actual prose and rhythm of it. Uh, it helps me. Um, I mean, any aspiring writers out there, I do always say there's no one right way to write. If you make great progress without outlines, great, go for it. But, you know, I'm tinkering around with this and I've always been drawn to outlines and uh, I'm kind of getting a little bit more into structure rather than less, I think. So um, that's critical for me. And, um, you know, it also helps to talk things through a lot. I'm very lucky that my husband is a huge Star Wars fan and is uh, available to hear about all of this in a lot of detail (laughs) all the time. (laughs) A blessing and a curse, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I will say I, the same same topic came up with uh, my conversation with Lydia. She said like, her husband's a really big Star Wars reader, and but um, just so does your husband. Like, does he beta read for uh-huh. you? Does he like go with you along the process? Because I know Lydia was saying her husband he doesn't want to do that. He's not an editor. He's not a you know copywriter. He's not a he just wants to read mm-hmm. it. So how does your husband like? How has he engaged with it? Is he fully in the higher public? Is he just reading your stuff? Yeah, my husband. You know, he's a huge Star Wars fan. Sometimes he beta reads for me. It's sort of, does he have the time okay. you know, to, to do it? Because obviously he has his own job. And also Star Wars, our deadlines are not super long. And sometimes I don't finish something in time for him to <laughs> okay. get a good look at it. Okay, okay. But it's always good when he is able to. I mean, he, you know, most notably, you know, is sort of his idea that led to geode and um you know it's yeah yeah and he he has a really great sense of it as a fan yeah that sometimes when you're writing it you you run the danger of losing track of that that said i am back to like total like main lighting pure fandom with andor <laughs> which is great yes. i'm like oh thank goodness you know be able to have this energy 100 which is great so uh but yeah he does read definitely the short stories and sometimes the books when there's time for the books and um you know in a lot of ways he's like the first fan who reads it oh, and i'm able to sort of awesome. say like oh okay this is way some other fans are going to react to this or you know yeah thinks he's more interested in it's like oh maybe we need a little more of that you know that's so cool that's awesome to have that support so i think we should transition yes, to andor so it seems like you are just like aching yes to talk about andor so what did you love about the series like what what kind of drew you back why did andor 
why is Andor the thing that makes you just a rabid fan now again? Because it's the greatest <laughs> Star Wars in a minimum of 40 years. <laughs> you know, it's so good uh, on so many levels. I mean, I'm not kidding. I could talk about this for many hours, but <laughs> I will say like kind of the short version I thought it was extraordinary. I thought it was incredibly well written and it was inspirational in a way because I feel like it opens up the door for the kinds of stories that we can tell with existing intellectual property. You know, this is this is serious adult mm-hmm. Drama about what you know, what makes a fascist dictatorship work? How does a rebellion come into being? What are the moral gray areas there? And yet you've still got droids and space battles and all of this happening at the same time, which is amazing. Um, I've rewatched it many times. I mean, it's it's over five. Wow, you know and. It's probably inching closer to 10 at this point. And still, I'm getting more out of it. I mean, in a lot of ways, even apart from it being about Star Wars, like, it is a master class in storytelling in terms of setup and payoff and and so many other things. Um, like, one of my favorite things, and this isn't even, uh, like, one of the things that I really love uh, spoilers for Andor. If you have not watched it, I demand that you stop listening to this right now and go watch it and you will thank yes. me and you will be so happy. Um, all right. For those of you who have now watched it, um, we have that dinner party scene at Mon Mothma's and Perrin is with her and they're having that conversation with the couple where you realize that Chandra marriages are arranged for teenagers And right at the moment where you realize that, they pull back for a long shot of the party, and Leda walks across the screen. It's episodes before we're going to get to the fact that her perhaps becoming betrothed to somebody is going to be a plot point. But they hit that note. That is not accidental. That is very, very deliberate. Or um, one of my favorite things, and this is really just Tony Gilroy showing off, but I'll allow it. (laughs) Uh, episode three, Luthen Rail and Cassie and Andor are speaking for the first time in that sort of enormous heavy engine storage area. I don't know what's going on there. But, uh, and of course, the Corpos come to raid it. And Luthen is showing off his, you know, his badassery for the first time. And I think it's rule number two it's like, just always build your exit on your way in. How do they get out of that room? The underground tunnels in Ferrex. What forms the entire core of the like way Cassian is able to do what he does in the finale, the tunnels under Ferrix. That is Tony Gilroy building his exit on his way mm. in. And I'm just like, I salute so you. <laughs> Wonderful. So good. Yeah. Um, it's so good on so many levels. And I, you know, I, I cannot wait for the second season and i know that that's going to be the last season of andor but i am like you know i'm I'm sending up prayers to the universe that tony gilroy is going to want to do something else in star wars yeah don't leave star wars tony please 
yeah, no, there's got to be something else he'd want to tell. And um, it's 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 smart and it's emotional and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the design on it on so many levels uh, is just fantastic. I mean, my God, um, Cyril Karn's mother, that character, like everything about the way she's dressed and the actress that they got, mm-hmm. who's wonderful, Catherine Hunter. Um, it's so specific. It's not a type. It's very specific. And the fact of this person, you know, this tiny little stick insect of a woman <laughs> who still dresses in the fashions of back when she had a little bit more money and more options in life, you know, like, it, it it adds dimension to that entire world. You know, we've seen the very, very wealthy of Star Wars and we've seen the really poor of Star Wars. We've never been in a middle-class apartment <laughs> on Coruscant, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, but things like that, you know, it adds texture to the uh, entire GFFA. Uh, and I'm going to try and stop there because I'm not <laughs> kidding. I could talk about this Whoa. probably... Or five hours. I will. With, I will say joy. this. Yeah, and like we'll keep this in the episode. My producer Jeremy, he's he's on the recording. I'm sure he is like aching to jump in and talk about this because at a certain point, um, uh-huh. Jeremy and Philip helping him with the show. Me and Jeremy were all about Andor. Philip had not watched it yet, and we were just like, "Come on, like this is the just what you said." So Come like on, the, these conversations are happening yeah. <laughs> with everyone everywhere who yes. just has the same love and passion yes. for it. I uh, I just rem- I'm thinking about other conversations yeah. too from some of my other Star Wars friends when the when it was airing it was like oh is Luthen like there was all and these it- theories like is Luthen really a Sith and da 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 and I was like guys I don't think this is that kind of show and that's why it is amazing mm-hmm. like I don't need that that that's not needed mm-hmm. like yeah you don't need the big the big turn on this I actually think it is possible like. Fan theories have convinced me it's possible that Luthen might have been a Jedi or might have been in training mm-hmm. when everything happened with Order 66. There are just reasons why I think that may be possible. But you don't need that. All you need to know is he's somebody who is absolutely dedicated to the fall of the Empire. And if it turns out that he was a Jedi back in the day, like it explains why he has a whole lot of kyber crystals around <laughs> But it doesn't fundamentally change the story. Right, right. You know, the story is who he is as an individual. Yes. Not what category we, we press it 100%. into. And um, I, I, we, I will say the same thing. Like, I obviously, I'm a reader. I love books. Um, I was an English major. And it's like uh, media. Like, I love all that stuff. And it just, it felt mm-hmm. so, the pleasure of watching something visual like that with that amount of depth and care and art, um, it felt like reading an, it felt like reading an awesome mm-hmm. novel. Like it, that's what it felt like. And, um, yes, you know, it, it was so fulfilling in that, yes. in that manner. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the more that you look at it, the more it rewards you, you know, there's so much there. Like another of my favorite things. And after this, I'm going to stop, okay. <laughs> um, you know, at the end of Aldani, right before there's getting started in the mission, uh, Nemec is going, I don't understand. I have faith. It ought to sustain me. 
but he couldn't sleep the night before. And he's like, you, you sleep like a stone. And then you get to the end of the Narkina five arc. And they've said the night before, like that everybody's figured out they're not getting Mm -hmm. out. And you go and you see Cassian lying in his bunk and he's wide awake. awake. You know, he cares about somebody about, about, other than himself now mm-hmm. and he can't sleep any more than Nimick could. Uh, so sorry, that's just so another yeah. really great touch. Yep. And the fact that they have the restraint not to call your attention, like, look, we're doing a thing. Look like they trust you to get yes, it. Trusting the audience. So and that's, fantastic. that's what I love about books. It's like you have to, there's, yes, there's so much, there's a level of trust that you have to have mm-hmm. as a writer when you're writing something on the written page, but so many times in visual, it's like, it's fed mm-hmm. to you. And so some of, a lot of that is lost. And that's why, you know, there's an yeah. argument like the books are always better than the movies or whatever. But, um, I just, yeah, I just feel like when it's yeah. artfully, carefully, beautifully that, but... done, it can, there's no distinction between mm-hmm. how the story, what the medium of the story is. Um, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. exactly. But yeah, Andor invites you to bring your own ideas and experiences. It allows you to make your own call to a degree, like, mm-hmm is this the right move? Is this the wrong move? Like morally speaking, we're in a gray area and all the characters know it. You know, uh, it, it's things like Luthen Rail, that whole thing where he's just railing at Mon Mothma, you know, going like, if you didn't know you, this was going to be taken, da, da, da. And then you see him at the end of it after she walked out and you're like, he wasn't talking to her. Mm-hmm. He was talking to himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he was convincing himself exactly. that he had done the right exactly. thing. Um, which is just incredible. Exactly. I, I have some catching up to do, so I definitely need to get on it and do some more rewatches. So <laughs> I think I have my summer homework. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh I mean we actually my husband and I were like, we're not gonna rewatch it for a month. Okay. <laughs> we're just gonna stop for a month. And but I think we're about ready to go back in. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> well, speaking of visual media, this is a this is an audio podcast, but I have the um, Young Jedi Adventures poster behind me. I just got that, and so it's really cool uh, oh, seeing yeah. some High Republic stuff going into different forms. Um, and I'm really hoping and just seeing what yes. I or seeing what I saw about the acolyte at celebration. I um, I'm just like mm-hmm. it, it seems. Andor-esque and so and it seems like the showrunner gets it and like I'm so stoked and I yeah I'm really excited about that I know all the High Republic people are as well yeah I'm I'm psyched to see it I mean you you basically know what we know about (laughs) it but at the same time it's really thrilling to see the gold robes and Vernestra Vernestra. and oh my gosh I know to see these elements actually being you know actually coming out into the wider universe of star Wars. And it's wonderful to think that the high Republic, you know, is, is taking that place and it's actually really being accepted and brought into Canon, which I am delighted by hundred percent. So yeah, that is absolutely terrific. And I have to say, I'm super psyched about the young Jedi adventures just because, you know, it's, I, I love, the Clone Wars, I love Rebels, I love Visions, but Star Wars has really needed an animated show that's primarily for kids. Yes, 
Yes. For a really long time. And I love that we finally have that. And it's so great and bouncy and energetic because, you know, that you don't, I I mean, I'm in my fifties and I'm like, I need more Andor now, but we also (laughs) need, you know, the, for fandom to be feeding, you know, the youngest fans too. And I feel like Young Jedi Adventures really does that. 100%. And as a father of younglings myself, um, I can't always convince them Mm -hmm. to watch the things that I think they should be watching. And I am, I'm, Mm-hmm. My daughter has watched Young Jedi Adventures. It's she. It's her Andor for you. <laughs> She's watched it over and over. Yeah, she loves Nubs, and I'm like, yes. it makes my heart so happy because uh-huh. I'm like, they did it. This is the show, and it's not. It's not dumbed down. It's not. It's not like um, no. dumb kids TV. There's like plots, and there is you know. I mean, it's fun. It like you said, it's bouncy and colorful, but it's it's exactly what yeah. that age group age range needs and there has not you're right there has not been that in star wars in a really long time and so it makes my high republic fandom heart so happy that you know she loves nubs and knows all of their names and knows all the plot lines like it's awesome yeah that's fantastic someday maybe in like 20 years then she'll i'll get her we'll do the start doing the andor um binging so (laughs) for now she (laughs) yes Speaking of other works, you just had another book come out, The Late Mrs. Willoughby. Um, you're on tour for it, uh, yes. this, you know, right now. So um, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, the Late Mrs. Willoughby is the second in what's going to be a series of at least four murder mysteries, uh, which began last year with the murder of Mr. Wickham. And I called them my Jane Austen, Agatha Christie mashup. Uh, and in the first book, there were characters tied to all six of Austin's published novels gathered together at a house party. And Mr. Wickham, the bad guy of Pride and Prejudice, uh, in the tradition of many Austin bad guys and a lot of, uh, Agatha Christie villains too, turns out to be involved in more than one scheme. And everybody there turns out to have a reason to hate him and, course he winds up dead and um i set the six austin novels in different years during sort of the 20 year period during which she worked on her books and published them 15 to 20 and so we're able to actually the two sleuths are the daughter of the characters from northanger abbey and then the son of Elizabeth and Darcy from Pride and Prejudice. And they become these sleuths. And in the second book, they visit the world of the book Sense and Sensibility. They're in the mm-hmm. village of Barton. We're revisiting those characters. Um, and if you're familiar, familiar with Sense and Sensibility, you know immediately why the death of Willoughby's wife would be a very powerful moment in that village and that many, many characters could have their reasons for what happened there. So uh, I'm actually editing the third book now. I can't say much more about it, but uh, in some ways writing mysteries has been as big a shift as going from prose to comics. You know, it's one thing to know Every mystery character is lying about something. <laughs> what is it? Only a few of the lies are about the murder, but you have to figure out what the lies are and they have to be in play all the time. You know, it's one thing to know that, 
but it's another thing to be like, oh, you know, the imagination begins to work with that and use that as its raw material. And I feel like that comes out much more as the series goes on and I'm having a blast with it. That's so fun. You're also writing um, with Disney books, I believe, the Haunted Mansion um, novel, uh, Storm and Shade, that's coming out later this year as well. So that sounds fun as like, you're just like mysteries. Yeah. other Disney properties. That's so fun. I, yeah, I'm getting to do all the, all the fun stuff. And, um, you know, the haunted mansion in California, each of them has a slightly different, uh, appearance and backstory and et cetera. Well, the one in California is canonically in new Orleans where I live. And even though I've had a lot of story ideas set in new Orleans and played with them, this is the first book I'm actually publishing that happens in New Orleans. And it was great to actually get to put in some local flavor and really weave it into uh, this city, which was wonderful. That's, that's really coming cool. out in August, I think. Wow, that's so fast. Okay, great. I'm I'm really excited yeah. for that one as well. I will say yeah. too, Claudia, like after I read, when, yeah. when my whole Star Wars journey started, Lost Stars was the first book that I read, the first Star Wars book that I jumped into. And... um like many people, oh, wow. like completely blown away. Like it, I, that's my go-to first recommendation for everyone who asks me where to start. Um, if my opinion means anything to them, I just say, oh, start with Lost Stars, you will love it. And then go ha- pick your, pick your adventure, choose your own adventure. And after I read that, I was like, I love <laughs> your writing, first of all. Um, and so I had to go, I was like, what else can I, what else can I get? And I just have to say this right now on the podcast that I highly <laughs> recommend Claudia's Constellation series the defy the stars worlds the fates so good i've recommended it to so many friends claudia and i just want more of it (laughs) so selfishly like i (laughs) i love them so much and it was like yeah and it's kind of it's a little bit sci-fi it's like young adult so i feel like there's a lot of similarities between it and star wars it's kind of that futuristic vibe and so I just have to say as a fan, yeah. thank you for that that series. I love it. Um, I will always be a fan of that series. Well, thank you. I'm so glad that, that you read it. I mean, when you write Star Wars, you always hope that a few of those readers are going to read your other stuff. And, and, and some people do, but uh, whenever it does happen, you get really psyched. But yeah, that one was fun. I, I pitched it as Blade Runner meets Casablanca. And <laughs> uh, I feel like that got to come through. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, before I ask my last question, are there any, you mentioned it a little bit earlier before, are there any upcoming conventions or signings that are on the docket for you for the rest of 2023 where fans can meet and engage with you maybe when you're, when you're healthy? <laughs> uh, yes. Um, Here in New Orleans, um, Blue Cypress Books has been doing Regency-themed murder mystery parties to support the series. Uh, I believe that the June one is already sold out, but there are a couple slots left in July, if you hear this, in time to get those spots. Uh, They're amazing. They serve refreshments and drink, and it's a murder mystery specifically written for the event. Oh, how fun. And everybody tries to solve it together, and it's awesome. Let's see. I'm, I think it's called Washington State Comic Con in Seattle in late June. Yes, late June. I believe that I'm going to be at that one. Uh, I will be at Dragon Con uh, Labor Day weekend. 
And there's another convention in there that I am forgetting right now. But uh, if you follow my Instagram or my Twitter, um, you know, Sarah keeps my Twitter updated and I keep my Instagram updated and you will be able to see where else I am out there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, the last question I have for you on my show, every episode I talk about my last current next. What was the last book that I read? What am I currently reading right now? And then what am I planning to read next? So that's what I want to ask you. What is your last current next? Okay, I'm trying to think of the last one that I finished. Sorry, whenever anybody asks me this question, all of a sudden my brain is like, have I read a book? I don't (laughs) think so. Uh, I can't be right. Um, I do know currently, uh, I am reading both a book called Ascension. I can't remember the name of the author at this moment. Uh, it is sort of a sci-fi thriller that takes place on this mysterious mountain that has appeared in the middle of the ocean that is higher than Everest. And anybody who lands upon it, uh, begins to realize right away something is seriously up. Uh, I'm also working on Spare by Prince Harry, um, I which is fun. They got a really great ghostwriter for it. <laughs> and uh, all I will say, will not retell the full story, but I actually have a friend who back in the 90s had personal experiences with both Princess Diana and uh, then Prince Charles. And uh all i will say about that is that i am inclined to believe harry let's put it that way uh so uh and oh you know the last book i read was actually i can't remember the name of it but it was the last Maisie dobbs book okay uh, uh written by jacqueline winspear it's a long-standing mystery series i've been a huge fan of that for a long time uh and then next up uh, what will I be reading next? Because there are a whole lot of things. When I was up in Wichita recently, and there's a great bookstore there called Eighth Day Books. And it its core mission is Christian mysticism, but it's just a general bookstore. Okay, <laughs> like it began, and there's also still a really good Christian mysticism section. But uh, you can find a whole lot of really interesting books on there on a lot of topics. And the next one might be a biography of the emperor Nero. Um, I'm a little bit of an armchair, uh, history buff about the Roman empire. So, uh, I'll be digging into that. And probably nobody out there is like, yeah, I'm going to pick that up. (laughs) But, uh, that, that's, that's exactly my speed. uh, Apparently. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining and chatting. I really hope that you can come back again when some of your um, other books come out. Um, I would love to talk Haunted Mansion more and obviously your other Star Wars books coming in the future. So as a fan and as a representative of the Star Wars community, thank you so much just for your contributions. We cannot wait to hear more from you in the future. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun and I got to talk about Andor. Yes. Achievement. Happy. Happy to do so. Happy to help you with that. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say a very special thanks once again to Claudia Gray for joining me today. I had an awesome time talking with her about Andor at length. (laughs) I have a lot of catching up to do 
uh, and I'm sure by the time this podcast airs, she's probably watched the series at least five more times, right? So <laughs> I loved also kind of just getting her take on um, her inspiration be- behind Quest of the Jedi and that one shot. And there is so much more coming from her in this year, as we talked about inside and outside of Star Wars. So I'm really hoping that I can get her back on the show in the future to discuss all of those things and more. Thank you guys so much again for listening. If you liked this episode, please give me a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. It really, really helps out getting those reviews in. And I would love to share some five-star reviews on the show in the future. I'll catch you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. For more of my content, visit my website at thisdadreads.com for full book reviews, interviews, and articles. Follow me on socials at thisdadreads on Twitter and Instagram. This Dad Reads the Podcast is produced by Erebus Industries and me. Special thanks to my editor, Jeremy Tuttle, and Tacoma Media for the use of their song Bounce. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and leave me a five-star review. It really helps. Catch you next time.